Weirdo Weirdo Bookworms Unite! Unite. Do your reading tastes range from dystopian sci-fi to middle-grade fantasy? Dark psychological thrillers to gory body horror? From YA paranormal swords and sorcery? Extraterrestrials? Murder? Mayhem! And beyond! Then we want to share our love of reading with you! Welcome home. Hey, Chandra Junkies, it's Sandra. And this is Scott. And it is a horror episode. Yay, yay, hooray, hooray. It's actually been a little while since we've done horror, hasn't it? It's always been too long for me. <laughs> um, tonight we're going to be talking about Hyde by Kirsten White. This is one of my most anticipated books of the year. A lot of bookworms and horror fans. This was an anticipated book for all of us. Um, before we get into it, you know, I just always want to remind people, it's so nice for those of us that love horror to sometimes when the world is full of real horror, to be able to escape into our our dreary, scary worlds. And it somehow makes us feel better. It really does. But I mean, really, when there's so much fuckery going on in the world, it's it's nice to always escape into book. Aren't we just so, aren't we just thankful for books? I am so grateful for books. There, You said it yourself. There is so much fuckery right now. Yeah. I'm not bleeping these out today. No, it's a technical term. And, um, you know, everyone needs an escape. And sometimes that escape comes from horrible things. Yay! Like horror. Yay! Um, what do you want to share with the class tonight? So I don't have much to share tonight. What I what I have is I'm going to reach out to you, the audience. I need suggestions. Oh. I am driving a lot more than I used to with my new job. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if I have read it before or not. I want you to reach out to me and let me know just a plus audiobooks. I want stuff that's super entertaining, really well read. Um, so please give me recommendations for me, books that I can listen to to entertain myself on the road. I love it. A call to arms, a call to action, an altar call, if you will. <laughs> um, for me, oh, I fell down. I went boom. Yeah. I, I crunched my ribs. Bruise not broken, but it hurts a lot. So that's not fun. Um, that's more like just news, news of the world. Let's see, something to share. Did I talk about on this podcast? Um, Eric LaRocca. I've been getting my Eric LaRocca reading in. No. Okay, I must have brought it up on Spooky Summer Party. So I have been diving into the Eric LaRocca catalog. Eric LaRocca is a very, very talented horror writer. Um, he uh, he uses he, they pronouns, and you can find him on Instagram, Um Perfect, perfect author if you love some queer horror. Uh, Things have gotten worse since last we spoke. Since we last spoke. (laughs) And you've lost a lot of blood. Um, Those are the two I've read so far. And I just, I'm going to read, I'm going to devour everything Eric writes. Um, Absolutely brilliant, interesting, thought-provoking, gory, disturbing stuff. Um, Yeah, I think I find my new best friend. And you haven't had me read this, which seems to me like it's probably pretty... Because uh... Eric is my private dancer. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so there you go. A little crunchy rib with a side of Eric LaRocca. Yeah, I feel so bad for you. It, it, it's it got to hurt so bad. Yeah, I'm kind of like little tiny Tim these days. <laughs> oh my God, it hurts so bad to laugh or to cough or to sneeze or to breathe or to basically be awake. Just to be alive. <laughs> okay. Are we ready? 
Let's get into it. Hide by Kirsten White. The challenge. Spend a week hiding in an abandoned amusement park and don't get caught. The prize? Enough money to change everything. Even though everyone is desperate to win, to seize a dream future or escape a haunting past, Mac is sure she can beat her competitors. All she has to do is hide, and she's an expert at that. It's the reason she's alive and her family isn't. But as the people around her begin disappearing one by one, Mac realizes that this competition is even more sinister than she imagined, and that together might be the only way to survive. 14 competitors, 7 days... Everywhere to hide, but nowhere to run. Come out, come out, wherever you are. <laughs> oh, I lo- everywhere to hide, but nowhere to run. I love that. That's perfect. Name. Okay, so first of all, this book is gorgeous. It like, is really to behold, pretty. It's a beautiful, like, saffron yellow, beautiful typeface, hide. The title is in red. Um, and then we have this kind of rotten dilapidated like shadow of an amusement park with these deep dirty roots and then you open it up oh the best map map ever the best map ever i think we found it yeah it is really really good it is it is helpful and kind of completes it it's not necessary and yet is absolutely necessary just because i i never want it without it um it's the map of the amazement park and i have a confession to make over the years i've become more and more comfortable reading on kindle and less and less comfortable reading physical books i know it's a horrible confession to make well it's um, you know it's you're still reading and i'm sure there's others out there who are listening to this who are saying me too me too i know and but, some people just like audio like, there's so many ways to read. But this book, I don't know. It reads really good in the hands. It feels oh, nice. It does. It, it's a really, it's a, it's it's a whole a package. beautiful physical book. It it's really a whole is. package for your collection. Um, gorgeous book. Um, may I start? Please. So as I said, one of my most anticipated books of the year. Um, you guys, it's a contender for book of the year. Whoa! It's a contender for book of the year from me. Um, it is both a page turner and an obsession. I absolutely lost myself in this book. It's not a very long book. You could probably read it in a sitting or two. I mean, really, like depending on how fast you read. Um, I. I, I was sad anytime I was not reading this book. I could not turn the pages fast enough to get more story. It's a brilliant story to me. I I love I love the com- the competition, the hiding go seek, the what is really going on here. The characters just jumped off the page to me. Um it's a lo- it's a love affair. This book is really good and I I have to jump on with the page turner part of it. I could not put this book down. It's written incredibly creatively. It has it's it's written in a in a third person present tense which is not always my wheelhouse. Sure. But it works so well because it 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 kind of jumps between characters in a way that uh is a little untraditional. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is the 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 narrative voice is very omnipresent when it comes to characters' thoughts and feelings yeah. in a way that uh, really fleshes them out and makes them real without 
you know, without jumping to a uh, multiple perspective kind of uh, writing style. It's really, really good. And it's a lot of fun. This book would be um, a good time. I mean, I mean, just on just it would just be a good time because it's set in an amusement park, which is a fun setting. And it's a dilapidated falling apart amusement park. There's this competition angle to it. There's all these strangers coming together angle of it. Um, There's the you're trying to figure out what's happening to them but what really makes it just sing and pushes it over the top are these gorgeous characters um i became very attached very attached to several of them oh many many of them yeah um and and even even the ones that uh you know you don't like and and aren't really supposed to like yeah you just have this kind of feeling towards them of like they're so real there's you 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 love having that character be there yeah, they're so, so real. And um, one thing that I just want to point out really, really quickly is in Kirsten's acknowledgments, she thanks Eliza Jane Brazier, oh. who is one of our our friends, one of our friends here at Genre Junkies, wrote the incredible If I Disappear, among other things, we've had her on the show. So that was just like an awesome little connection because I'm like... Yeah, you should think Eliza. She's <laughs> she's a savage. I can actually see. I, I mean, I can see where uh, you know Eliza may have had you know input into the voice of this book. I mean, it's it's. I'm not saying that they're similar authors at all, but you know, I there, there's kind of a there's kind of a feeling like a soul of a book that you feel sometimes. Mm-hmm. And and I feel kind of a like like a like almost like a sibling soul mm. with If I Disappear. Does that make sense? I think so. I mean they both know how to write about um you know a lead protagonist, a female protagonist that has been through hell, but in this very believable way. Mm-hmm. Um and a voice, it's, you know, kind of an untraditional heroine in both of, you know, those books. Yeah. Um, Kirsten White, I mean, she's written other things. This is our first book we've we've read from her. But um, you guys, I cannot underscore enough that this woman can write a book. She can write a yeah. damn book. Um, she has really sometimes simplistic short sentences but they will creep you out they paint such a picture and it's with being just very kind of um blunt yeah does that make sense um and i just i love a book where characters are hiding i love a book where characters are hiding because it's like you know it takes you back to childhood and playing hide and go seek and those like anxious butterfly feelings and you're like oh i can't like breathe too loud because then they're gonna find me but then you like get the giggles because you're hiding yeah but well because um and there's actually a distinction that's made in this book that was kind of a light bulb for me that uh you know, horror is of the unseen and terror is of the known. Mm. Um, it, and but that the hiding is sort of that 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 horror of the unseen. Yeah, and you know, you are hiding, but you also, you know, you as someone who is hiding don't necessarily see what is happening. Um, and that's that's scary. That's frightening. Absolutely, it's always scary what your mind fills in, and then for these characters, you know, hiding. Of course, their mind's going to fill in things as well. Um, as far as appeal goes, I think this is going to be a home run for most horror fans. However, 
I also think that just the deft hand with which Ms. White has written this book, I think is going to have some crossover appeal. And I think there's going to be people who are going to like what she has to say as well. So it's kind of hard for me to put an exact point on it. I I actually have come prepared uh, to defend my appeal score. For what this. is it? What is it? Because you don't you don't have to defend it because I don't know what mine is. I'm giving this a mass appeal. Okay, I'm. You know what? I'm with you because. <laughs> excuse me. Um, I really I don't see why it wouldn't be mass appeal. There is a there is a uh, there is a gener- generational through line through this. It much in the way that you know we had things for us millennials and. And, you know, Gen Z had all this stuff. There's there's a there's a common experience mm-hmm. that this taps into. Uh, I think of this is no this is not the same book, but I think of the Hunger Games. I think of Twilight. Right. I think yeah. of books where this is something that is that is relevant. Yeah. And powerful for a large group of people right now. Yes. Um, and is approachable and handled uh in my opinion very well yes uh in a way that i i honestly could see this being a massive a massive massive hit i i don't i can't think of anyone i wouldn't recommend this to oh and some great queer rep by the way yes yeah um so gosh let's see there's a lot i gotta say i have a lot to say about this book um I don't have any particular trigger or content warnings that come to mind. I mean, it's we sometimes say this, it's horror, there's violence. Yes. <laughs> um I mean, I I would say maybe look up some if you have some particular triggers you're concerned about or content, maybe look it up, but it's it's kind of broad stuff. But um I will share this before the spoiler section uh because this this speaks to the tone if you feel like you may need to look up uh some specific uh triggers but the dedication which is beautiful to the youngest generations we've tasked with saving us all you shouldn't have to I'm so sorry. What a great way to start a book. It's a sincere beautiful dedication and it's also like um a little intense. Yeah. Okay, so would you say you liked this book? You loved it? I clearly loved it. I'd say I loved this book. Yay. Okay. So there you have it. Two genre junkies absolutely loved this book. The the diehard horror fan and the casual well, you're sortly more than casual. You know more about horror than a lot of I'm horror a, fans. I'm a journeyman. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, guys. Please read Hyde. And when you do, join us again in the spoiler section so we can talk about this genius, brilliant, scary book. Let's go. Hey, Bookworm Buddy, don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review. And while you're at it, find us on Instagram at Genre Junkies. You guys, you guys, uh, the Greek mythology connection in this book had me i sweating like glitter happy greek mythology glitter um some of you who've been around for a while know that i fancy myself a bit of a junior classicist um in terms of greco-roman history and mythology it's something i'm so passionate about and i wanted this to be the minotaur god i wanted it to be the minotaur I think that is so cool. And it's, you know, 
it, it it's very strongly suggested, but it's never outright said. It's not the Minotaur you learned about. Yes, but, but it could be the Minotaur. But the but you know the the original Minotaur could have been this thing. Um, yes, really. I mean the 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 imagery with you know them building a maze around it, yes. the, it having horns and There's the building in the center is a Greek yeah sacrifices to yes. Okay, so before we get too deep into it, the name of the city is Asterian. Asterian, which means starry, stars, starry. Um, Asterius was a king of Crete and the foster father of Minos. So then you take your Minos and you go into your Greek mythology a little deeper. King of Crete, son of Zeus in Europa. Every nine years, he made King Aegeus pick out seven boys and seven girls to be sent to Daedalus's labyrinth to be eaten by the Minotaur. My, my like, I, I cannot tell you, I was quaking. I was tingling when I saw the name of the city was Asterian. I was like, please be, please be. Oh, that's really neat. See, I didn't pick up any of that as I was reading it. Yeah. That's neat that that's in there for people like you who, you know, who recognize those things right off the bat. Right. So, okay. And while we're on the Minotaur, <laughs> uh, they took his eyeballs. Yeah. that I. As a Taurus, were you offended? <laughs> It it was you know the, the book actually he kind of uh, anthropomorphizes humanizes I guess the beast like it's just living the life that it lives it doesn't seem to have really any real direction it's here for this purpose it's a magical being created to be uh, this this deal this it's part of a deal it's part of a pact and you do feel kind of bad for it i felt compassion for it horror fans we often feel compassion for the monster but there was something about this and it it almost feels like trickery it feels trapped it feels like it's it's just been waiting there i i i do i feel for it um and we love the crown of horns hi hi how are (laughs) you that is sickening so it's in, so you you had mentioned about it being this deal. I don't know if the deal is real. I don't know if if uh, the Minotaur, the beast, actually has anything to do really with their success. I think that they just they 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 willed it upon themselves right. and you know kind of attributed it to this this horror it's hard to say and i mean and it's hard to say that now that it's out in the world um is it gonna is it gonna eat everybody in the town i sure hope so is it going to eat every single descendant person with a drop of the original family's blood in it who can say i I don't know i don't know if the government's gonna shoot it with a nuclear warhead i don't know if it's (laughs) going to you know swim its way back to greece i don't know what it's gonna do and i love that and i love that at the end our characters are like eh, fuck it who knows you know like you can't predict the future you can't live your life in fear like that and i think that's kind of an important part of the book as well um hope it eats the whole town hope it eats the whole goddamn town burns it to the ground i would love that i i mean i think that it could do that but so i I know that i love the trope 
of the sacrifice and like the lottery and those that are selected. I'm a big fan of that mm-hmm. trope. Are, you are too. Absolutely, huh? a big time. Especially when you throw in like a pagan god or something that we've got going on here. Oh, but I'm a Christian, the horrible woman says at the end. <laughs> oh, she was the goddamn worst, wasn't she? Um. So did you think it was the Minotaur? I picked up on the Minotaur towards the end. I did not pick up on it very early on. When it was on two feet and schnuffling, huffling, again, I was like praying. I was praying that it was the Minotaur. <laughs> I didn't even really get it then. It was really right towards the end when they got back in. And, there, and you know, uh, Mac really just like really witnesses what the beast looks like. And... And, you know, really hammered home that she was running through a maze. I'm like, oh, of course. It's a minotaur allegory. Um, What about that ending, too, when they go back? And I mean, it's like, I was like, no, you can't be serious. I mean, you're not going to. You're not. You're not going to. You're not actually going to sacrifice yourself, are you guys? You know, that's one of it's one of those things where the the writing style itself, I think, is the only way it could have effectively um, presented that in a believable way. Because, you know, I think Mac was truly resigned and prepared like, hey, I'm probably going to die doing this, Mm -hmm. but I am not going to be the person who hides and sacrifices someone else so that I can live anymore. Right. Uh, Which, you know, is kind of the whole theme of this whole book. Like, hey... um, I'm not sacrificing myself for you. For the quote-unquote greater good. For your good. For your ass. But I'm also not going to sacrifice everyone else. Uh, You know, to... I, I'm just going to hop on to something that I am sure was intentional with this book, particularly with uh, the dedication and the afterward. You know, we, we, <laughs> we can't be sacrificing children in schools just so mm-hmm. that we can carry firearms. Absolutely. So this book, she wrote this in an act of rage because of mass shootings and specifically like school mass shootings. Um, as a, as a mom, she's very worried about that stuff as we all should be in our ways. And, um, yeah, it's like saying like, oh, I could be so Christ-like and I could just dedicate myself to others. But it's like, you know what? Fuck that. Live for yourself. And I find that to be very, very powerful message. Um, Althea, who's, you know, our little sister, that is um, a Greek word, which means healing. Mm. Oh, there was a cult in this book. Thank God. I love a cult. <laughs> um, we love a cult. Okay. Can we talk about Ava in the hands of another, the best <laughs> Ava in the hands of another author, or perhaps somebody writing this a few years ago? Ava would have been a man, um, yeah, a damaged man, a sweet but damaged her- hero type man. Mm-hmm. But he would have helped Mac, and she would have helped him. God. But again, you're flipping the trope. You're flipping the trope in the smartest way possible, which is that there are two women. And they're both strong and they both need each other and they both rely on each other. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. And they just are meant to be. They truly are. There's something else that's powerful about, you know, making Ava 
of making Ava female in this as well. And I'm not saying that this couldn't be uh, this couldn't be addressed if Ava was a man, but it's it's we're actually still a little bit away from this. That that feeling that Ava has at a point in the book, like, why do I always have to be strong? Yes. The world has made it so that I, I have to be strong, yet I also have to be demure, yet I also have to, like, I have to be perfect. Right. And which is very, which is very specific, you know, very specific to the, the, the feminist uh, experience. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's something that, that, you know, there's definitely things that could be that could be explored for men with that too, but it makes her more believable and more human um, as opposed to just being G.I. Jane, right? Yes, yes. We want our heroes to have some weaknesses and even strong, brave, incredible literal soldiers like Ava have been through literal hell. And she makes me emotional to think about. She's so real to me. She is absolutely a real person. All of them are. But she, and it's not to be sacrificial. It's not to be some sort of a folk hero. She really believes in saving people. That is, that is, that is her, that is her goal. It's her mission. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know how much you cried in this book. Uh, I had a few, I had a few Sandra Wells and I cried yeah. in the end. I, the way that that Ava and Mac together, you know, Ava feels safe with Mac. Right. The the way that 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 their relationship builds of just you know I can yes I feel safe enough to sleep mm-hmm. with you nearby is a, such a big thing. Uh, oh my god! And it's like just right away, like Mac's like I know that I'm what she needs, and. Ava's like, I know I'm what she needs. Oh, it's so perfect. It's so beautiful. Um, by the way, Atreus, though spelled wrong, is also a character in Greek mythology. Just wanted you to know that. Okay. Just throwing that out in the little, little, little one of my dorky little moments here. But obviously, Kirsten's also a dork, so we're here for it. And I'm sorry for any uh, references I missed, too. The other thing I like about all of the characters in this mm-hmm. book is, you know, at the beginning most of them are presented in a way that is, I mean, clearly how, you know, Linda views them, how the world Linda. views them. Very, very Listen, superficial, Linda. very, um, you know, misguided in a way. One-dimensional. Yeah. But it, this book does such a good job of explaining, okay, yeah, this person is maybe a little misguided in, oh, you know, they're going to be a, you know, let's just say a famous app developer that's going to hang out with, I mean, everyone's got to have dreams, right? But that, that, that reality though of, I mean, if you want to, I mean, nobody wants to just be a wage slave and starving and working all the time to starve to death. You want your life to mean something. And I, I don't remember which character it was. It might have been beautiful Ava uh-huh. who who said something like, you know, her father always was, was mad at her because she doesn't have a job. And what he doesn't understand is she's always working. That's a millennial problem we all have. That's rough. Yeah. That's rough. That's a real that's a real life millennial thing that I think hit us all where we live. Um can we talk about Brandon? Dear, sweet, beautiful Brandon. Brandon is is too good for any world. Mm-hmm. He is a beautiful, kind, friendly, gentle soul. Just wanted friends. 
Ugh. It just when he's, do I mean, do you want to come live with me when this is all over? I, you know, it's a little house, but it's mine. Well, like when he asks the grand to at first, and the yeah. Yeah. And then and Mac too is yeah. like, yeah, I'll go. Cool. And Ava too. And then she's like, why the hell not? And he's like, well, it's in Ohio. And she's like, oh, that's why the hell not. That's <laughs> yeah, just so funny. But there's like there's like a friendly camaraderie, and it's just so sweet. They're all and people it's so that genuine. need each other. Yes. They all just they want a family. They want a connection. By the way, there's two cults in this book because there's the town cult, and then there's the cult that Legrand is from. Well, that's the one I was talking about. The compound where father is the prophet and that asshole has been feeding people to the Minotaur like clockwork every seven years. I mean, I, I'm just going to I'm just going to step into the, the evil side for a minute. How genius is that? Really? He's basically made a cult of cattle to feed yes. to the Minotaur. That's pretty genius. And they give him money and whatever else. I'm sure he wants to keep the feds off his back or something, maybe. Well, and, you know, this was this would be the argument to the Minotaur actually giving them the success and actually protecting them. Like, it sounds like this cult is pretty big. Right. Like, it's a pretty massive, you know, high control cult. Right. Very powerful family members yeah. they absolutely exist and and they're 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 happening right now but the level at which it sounds like this cult is existing is probably not exactly uh natural if right. you get my drift yeah it's a little it's a little supernaturally um protected at least uh, boast bolstered yeah um so i love <laughs> i love that linda comes to rep first of all her the stupid guy in the diner who's like totally boomerang them back in my day that asshole he's hilarious but linda comes to represent like everything that's wrong (laughs) with like our world and our country today like she's like this capitalist racist ageist you know like awful person and it, it but so believable like like she it like you know this woman you've dealt with this woman in customer service situations <laughs> she's she's the she's a karen um yeah there is a chapter in this book that i could read 50 more times which tab? that is so the, the symbolism is so beautiful and powerful it's when they're in linda's house oh. and mac it, it keeps going back to the china yes it, it you know this feeling of there's I mean, everything in there too. Like this is, you know, it was remodeled probably like 30 years ago, but it was people with a lot of money and, and poor taste back then. I, you know, people have, they have so much money that they can have China that you're not even supposed to touch. Yeah. And stuff that she will never be able to touch, that she will never. It's so powerful and meaningful. And there's so much symbolism in that entire portion of the book millennials why don't you buy diamonds in china anymore and it's exactly like that it's like wow you could have such excess and such luxury in your time in your generation and with your money and i will say i you know i this is i feel very I i feel that it's very relevant to a lot of millennial experience but even more so this is really written as as um, a love letter to Gen Z in in my well, and opinion. even like almost like littler than Gen yeah. Z. Like you know, there are similarities, but there are also things that you know are very different. Yeah. You know, like I didn't have, I didn't go through active shooter drills. That is a a. We actually did that at my school. Did you really? Yeah. I mean, we had earthquake drills. 
<laughs> we definitely had those. <laughs> um, you know, but like I felt like I grew up in in a in a between time. You know, the you know Gen X they had their their nuclear drills, mm-hmm. which are laughable. And Gen Z has these active shooter drills. In some respects, I do feel privileged in that I didn't grow up with that same fear. Um, and and that kind of constant fear, that kind of constant uh, desensitization is is something that is, I think, uh, specific to a younger generation than, than, than me. And I think that this taps yeah. into that in a way yeah, that's like, really powerful. Like I'm thinking of whatever we're going to call the kids who are like, like little kids now. That's like what I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah and you know, however old her, her kids are like little kind of school aged kids. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> one of the most stomach turning points of this book that I could like I could not read the words fast enough on the page is the old journal entries. I was like, sweet Jesus, what is ha- what is happening? And he's just losing it. He's just oh my god, it's it's brilliant. It's the gate. It's just the goddamn gate. Mm, it's all the gate. That's and then you destroy the gate and then you, you let the you let the guy go. You got to get it to the gate and then destroy the gate and it can get out. And oh boy, is there going to be hell to pay when that happens? Oh, I just, you know, I don't know how well I do in this game because you and I are not climbers. Oh, I would, we would both be done. We might make it through the first night, the first day, to be clear. I think you and I would make it through the first day, but then, um, neither of us can sit that still for that long. And especially in the sun. Oh, we die. We would both. And we don't climb. We would. We might actually. They might have to find replacements for us because we might just die of sun exposure before the yeah. before the monster we, even gets us. We would let the gate people shoot us. We'd just be like, "Fuck it, we're electric fence, whatever we have to do." Um, at the end of the book, some of the last lines. Um, Please, Linda whispers, blood painting her pale lips. You're a nicely. You understand. Help me, or it will destroy us. And then she basically, you know, tosses the nicely, you know, little yeah. n- hanky down with a shrug. Max stands and turns to the car. Who fucking cares? <laughs> it's so badass. It's so badass. It's so badass. This this entitled this entitled woman, you know. Thinking that she's found someone who understands her. Oh, she's had this privileged, charmed fucking life. Oh and she's God. asking someone who has not even had a full life yet to give hers up. Oh, my God. For the good of her children. So I've got a little... I, so this is not a... This is something that, I ju- that just came to my head right now that 100%... Hundred percent had to be deliberate. Okay, okay. Um, so much is talked about how the greatest generation set up everything, just absolutely s- set the cards up for the boomer generation for them to have everything, right? Everything, and the boomer generation. Oh my God, this book is brilliant. The boomer generation, of course, is is you know being blamed for sacrificing our own successes. Mm-hmm millennials gen z you know to continue their own uh wealth yes it is exactly that and 
But then they have this mindset of, well, no, we earned everything. We, and yep. thank you very much, even mentioned this in the, in the afterward, pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. Bullshit. Look at what that phrase actually I know. Oh, yeah. God. I, and, oh, this, and so, and, because she talks about, like, our parents did this for us. We have earned this. Like, right. in the same sentence, you just said two completely, right. you know, uh, polar opposite statements. And then you look at like, hmm, yeah, some people did get to benefit from they uh, from from all this, didn't they? But you know who didn't get to benefit? Queer people, people of color, poor people, the working poor. They did not get to benefit from this. Oh, this book is. And so- instead, they're like, all of you, you riffraff, you pay for us, you pay for us, because we're the better, we're the chosen, you're disposable. I. I can't believe there's so much more symbolism that I missed until this very conversation that we're having. She's this a genius. Brilliant. She is a genius. Um, Kirsten I, White, genius. Okay. I am going back right now. I'm going back. I'm not going back in time, but I'm going to go ahead and say right now, this just stepped up to obsession to me after the fact. Shut up. Because I, there's, there, I have so much more stuff rolling through my head right now. I want to read this again. I'm yes. going to read this again. I will be reading this book multiple times. But like maybe right now <laughs> because there is I, – I caught symbolism but not as much as I feel like I normally do. Mm-hmm. And that right there unlocked a aha. Yes. That is – oh, this book is so good. Um I want to also quickly mention every character in this book – well, you know, almost every character in this book – goes on a great arc. Um Max arc is absolutely phenomenal. It's a great arc. Um, I love that she learns to find family and friendship and trust again. I love that when she confesses to Ava that she is the reason her sister, well, she's not the reason, but she's the reason her sister got killed. Ava doesn't say, oh my God, no. And she even says like in there that she's so glad that she doesn't say that because yes, technically, but no, it's the sins of your father. Quite literally. And again, like all of, again, you know, with the metaphor and the messaging, this is sins of people that came before you that you are inheriting and you have to carry and you have to pay for. And that's not fair. Well, it's like Ava didn't start the war, but she served in the war. It's the same thing. Like you can find it repeated over and over again in this book. Look at Legrand. You know, he was trying, he was trying to do the right thing. And the moment when they just basically, they just all immediately agree. Well, I mean, basically none of them had someone on the outside. Right. They were all alone. They were, you know, quote unquote, as I was saying, disposable. Yeah. Legrand was the one person who had someone on the outside and everyone just almost without, I mean, without conversation was just agreed. Well, He's the one we have to get out of here. He has someone that he cares for that needs him. So, so yeah, of course, he's the one that we need to get out. Uh, And I, I, I love in my head canon, they go and they get her. And like, I just, I have such a beautiful soft spot in my heart for where these characters go after this, this novel and they're together. This book is so good and it's i mean it's more than just fun it's more than just thoughtful it is really really deep powerful fantastic i'm i am floored i'm i'm floored i'm in awe uh you know this is one of those books i will recommend for years to come i will read for years to come we will probably gift this book to people um 
can't say enough. Can't say enough good things about it. How many Minotaur horns out of five? I am giving this a full crown of five out of five Minotaur horns. Me too. How about ten? I'll raise you. Like, You'll raise me to ten out of ten? Yep. Yeah. That's brilliant. Um, that's a lot of horns. Poor <laughs> poor thing has no eyes and a and very top heavy. <laughs> Very, very top-heavy. And he kind of walks like it, too. Yeah. Poor baby. You know, <laughs> I feel I want to feel like in my head canon, every time you buy a copy of Hyde, you're freeing a minotaur somewhere out there. Although, can I can I also say I'm a little bit jealous of something that's able to sleep for seven years? I, would, Take it. I want to sleep for seven years. I'm I down for that. I sleep for a few presidencies. <laughs> okay, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for a book that is, well, at least one of us thinks contender for book of the year. Maybe maybe it'll make Scott's list as well. This has been a good year. This has been a good year, but this is a contender. This book's got its gloves on and it's got a fighting chance. Um, thank you so much for listening to us. Thank you, Kirsten White, for writing this book. Anytime you want to stop by Genre Junkies, you are more than welcome. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Sandra. Please keep reading past your bedtime. Mm-hmm.